0: Co-worker of yours.
2: Club opens. Make it rain, Vinny and Haiti. Better
4: grab an umbrella.
2: 1057. The fan.
1: As a breaking ball hit high in the air, deep left field for Walner at the base of the wall, leaping and it's gone up out of the berm. Home run. This ball hit high in the air to deep center field. Rodriguez, base of the wall. It's not coming back. And the tattoo parlor is open again. That's a three-run homer for Colton Cowser. The 0-2 smacked into left field. McCusker looking up. It's over his head, and it's off the wall. McCusker plucks it off the grass, rallies the ball back to the infield. It's a ringing run-scoring double, and it's 11-1 Orioles.
4: I love
5: the ringing run-scoring doubles. That was Kobe Mayo, who's had a hot spring so far for the Orioles. Laser beam off the left field wall. That was Twins Radio, by the way, on the call.
4: Yeah, they suck. that sucks, that radio. I mean, they used to have good, like, uh, who, the announcers used to be really good. Those guys were terrible. Like the Atlanta guy, was like, mm, you know.
5: Well, it's spring training for everybody. <laughs> I mean, they they got to get themselves all fired up. <laughs> Ramona Rios, to run yak, bounced off the grass there in left field. Probably not a home run in Camden Yards, but it's not Camden Yard. They're playing where they're playing. He had three ribbies yesterday, and then Colton Couser hit a bomb. To right center field his second of the spring so the Orioles win 12-3 over the Minnesota Twins their spring hot start continues on Ramon Arias an interesting piece here two years ago gold glove winner what's his role going to be for the 2024 Orioles Colton Cowser, one of the many outfielders trying to buy for a spot on this year's roster one of the top five prospects in the Orioles' system, and he mashes at the minor leagues. He has proven his wares down a double, triple, single rookie league. In minor leagues, he wears them out. Will he get an opportunity to wear out major league pitching? That will be determined, but off to a great start so far. Cedric Mullins, a couple of knocks and a run scored, but Dean Kramer got himself in a bases loaded, nobody out jammed. In the first inning, and got out of it. Yep. And then went unscathed through his second inning of work. And we're going to talk about this with Matt Wyrick from uh, the Baltimore Sun, 11 o'clock, as we talk about the Orioles taking on the uh, Pirates today. Brian Baker comes in, and he had a pretty solid inning himself. Brian Baker, Nolan, as you remember, 2022 was a very significant part of their bullpen. Throwing the high heat, the smoke. Last year, he sucked. Really struggled, got sent back to the minor leagues, really never found himself. Had his struggles in September into October as well. But we sit here and we talk about the return of Dylan Tate. How about if you look for high leverage guys at the back end of your bullpen, the Orioles get the 2022 version of Brian Baker?
6: He'll take anything you can get, yep. right? He's in contention. Uh-huh. He's there. There's a big mass group of guys vying for those final couple spots. We talked about it. The Braddish injury means if he's going to start the season a little bit late, that opens up a couple more spots. So he could be in there just because they're familiar with him. They kind of know what they're going to get instead of taking a chance on a new guy.
5: Yeah, but what are you really getting with him? You get high velocity, but you got a lot of inconsistency. You lost some confidence in him. At points in 2023. So he is someone, however, just to keep an eye on as Mike Elias, Brandon Hyde, trying to uh, figure out what this roster will be coming out of Sarasota. March 28th, opening day, now less than a month before they take on the Angels. Taking on the Pirates today in the big matchup there, Nolan, is the fact that it's Paul Skeens, last year's number one overall draft pick, LSU by way of Air Force. Mm Mm-hmm. Taking on Jackson Holiday, the number one pick in 2022. Paul Skeens, he did all of the amateur things you needed to do, broke a lot of Ben McDonald's single season records at LSU last year. And Jackson Holiday, the number one prospect in all of baseball. So they will face each other today at 105 as Jackson Holiday will be leading off, Benny. I saw that. Uh huh. For the Orioles at 105 against Paul Skeens, who's one of these many draft picks the Pirates have been uh, cultivating over the years because, like the Orioles, they went through a somewhat of a, a downturn, but now giving money to their younger players, Keller. Reynolds and Skeens is the guy I guess they're trying to bank their hopes on for the rotation here moving forward. It
6: would be interesting to see if he makes the team out of spring training. I'd Probably a little early for that, but given the Pirates roster construction, they would seemingly have room. It's not like they're a a World Series contender here. So you think, hey, bring him up, see how he does. I, I don't know. I mean, he's proven college arm. It's not like it's a high school kid. Hey, we wanted the matchup. We got it. I said to you off-air this morning, it's only natural that it'll be anticlimactic. <laughs> Correct. And it'll be one-pitch infield pop-up, but, hey, we'll see how it goes. Well, number
5: one versus one the last two years running here, so that'll be something we'll keep you up to date with as the game begins in the 1 o'clock hour. But 12-3 was the final score as the Orioles clobber the Twins. Yesterday in Fort Myers, we talked about Julio Tehran. He signed, well, the reports were it was Tuesday. The Orioles announced it officially yesterday. And then Colton Wong's going to be an interesting one as well. This is a guy's got two gold gloves, a fielding Bible. He's got some pop. He was a first round draft pick of the Cardinals. He's got playoff experience. He totally cratered in 2023. A lot of room. In that Orioles infield right now. So we're talking about where's Rio Arias gonna fit in. If Jackson Holiday makes the team, that makes it makes it even more tight in the regards to that spot. But Colton Wong, I mean, he's behind, obviously, as we're already what six games in to the pre or the exhibition season. But Colton Wong,
6: I mean, there's a track record there of success. And as a left handed bat, he's got some pop. I guess the lefty thing's the only thing intriguing about him, I just don't see him making the team. And unless he's okay with going to the minors and when they signed him, I know it's a minor league deal, but if they said to him, hey, if you don't make the team, are you cool going to AAA and hanging out there? Maybe we need you if someone gets injured. If he's fine with that, then okay. But, I mean, 11-year MLB vet, I got to figure he's trying to get into the majors. Yeah,
5: he he said you know, he had a son, was born right before spring training, and he was kind of having – you know, issues because he wasn't seeing his kid, because he was fighting for roster spots, and, you know, he's a premier defender. Are you familiar with Colton Wong? I am not. He's a premier defensive second baseman. Upgrade over Frazier, way better than odor And he's got a little bit of a pop to him. But is there room at the end? That's where we were just talking about. We don't know yet. Yeah. The question's going to be, can you get him if he doesn't make the team because he's got opt-outs? If he doesn't make the team out of Sarasota, which it's a long shot to do, will he go to Norfolk and then bide his time and wait for an opportunity to come up?
4: Yeah. All the young guys seem to be hitting the ball pretty well right now, which makes it tough for them But he's But
5: he's an intriguing name, yeah. just to keep an eye on, as is Julio Tehran again. We'll talk more about that with Matt Wyrick. From the Baltimore Sun at 11 o'clock, Terps lose last night. Two for 22. From beyond the arc. All you need to know. Two for 22. They didn't get blown out. Because they don't get blown out for the most part. Because they play hard defensively. They just really, really struggle to put the ball in the basket. And they did it. They're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. And it been throughout the season. And now that we're down to two regular season games left. Nolan. All right, I'm not exactly John Wooden here, but two for 22, that's 9% from beyond the arc, which leads to you shooting less than 40% from the field. I mean, they didn't really turn the ball over much at all, but they just throw brick after brick after brick. And I know what you say, well, if you can't shoot threes, why do you keep shooting them? Well, because Julius Reese is in foul trouble. So you can't pound the ball inside. And, yeah, the whistles were a little a – little, there must have been some nice, tasty barbecue sauce on them whistles last night because they kept blowing them. But you don't have your inside force to take advantage of. And then you're relying on the three. And, as usual, they're constantly playing from behind. And herein lies the dilemma that Kevin Willard
6: has faced all season long. Well, I don't care if Reese had five fouls in the first minute of the game. <laughs> I mean <laughs> – Deshaun Uh Harris-Smith, okay, first three-point attempt of the game, he drills it. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there, oh, wow, is this going to be a Harris-Smith game? And then that gives him, uh, apparently, a green light to shoot five for the entire game, and the rest, the other four, are just brick city. Jameer Young, one for six, that's not like him. Dante Scott, oh, for four, we've seen him do that. I just, when you start the game one of ten from three... And it's a close game. Mm -hmm. It's a hard-nosed, grinded-out game. Why why keep shooting? You're one of 15, and you keep shooting. Deshaun Harris-Smith is one of the worst
5: three-point shooters in the country. He's a very aggressive and effective player taking the ball to the basket, which we saw him do in the final five minutes of the game, as Maryland looked like they might be able to spring the upset, but they didn't. As they lose again, 69-61 to Northwestern. Maryland right now, they're really 68-61, excuse me. Nick Martinelli got average eight points a game at 27, dominated against the Terps. So, Maryland, two games left. They have Indiana coming up this weekend, then at Penn State, 15-14, 7-11. On the year in the Big Ten. They are the 11th seed in the tournament right now. So Maryland struggles season long continue. And in this day and age of basketball, unless you're Purdue with Zach Eady, and even they have guys that can hit threes.
4: And Maryland was favored by five, right? Five Five and and a half. half. Yeah.
5: But the point is, in this day and age of basketball, unless you have a dominant low post guy and you can't shoot threes, you're going to lose. They play hard defensively, which is a testament to Kevin Willard trying to get through to his team, but they are offensively challenged. And quite frankly, as we've talked about, we'll talk about it tomorrow with Keith Cavanaugh, the freshman class that was much ballyhooed, we talked about it earlier with Jeff Furman this week, hasn't lived up to all of the press clippings. Oh, as a matter of fact, two of the four play, Pierce's basically red-shirting this year, and then Jonathan Lamothe, he barely gets off the bench. So there you go. But they did get Derek Queen last week, so there's hope for next year, but... Surprises for Maryland if they could win their last two games, they could possibly sneak into the eight-nine game. But we'll talk about that. NFL Combine in earnest today as players actually start to work out. We'll get into that and more. five eight three one oh five seven is the number. Pocota again disrespecting the Orioles. We'll get to that and then we'll talk about the Terps last night. Damon Evans joining us at the bottom of the hour.
0: Selling a little or a lot. to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
2: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, Their experience in sports varies. Of course, uh,
5: Vinny's got uh, experience in the NFL, and I sucked at uh, electric football.
4: Vinny and Haney, 105.7 Fan. We've had really bad stretches in these games where we've had a chance to either cut it to
1: two, tie it, cut it to five, and we've taken some bad shots.
5: Uh, yes. Hello. Kevin Willard, Maryland coach. That was yesterday, the last night. After the loss at home to Northwestern, 68-61, Maryland really starting to, uh, I don't want to say flatline, but they're losing more than they win. And even when they win, and we talked about it on Monday against Rutgers, they shot 40%, 30%, 60%, turned the ball over double digits and still managed to secure a victory. But it's got to be frustrating for him. But when we talk about <clears throat> sports, whether it's college hoops, baseball, tiddlywinks, whatever it is, you put a roster together based on needs, wants, perceived strengths. And this is a Maryland team that returns Julian Reese, Jameer Young, Jahari Long, Dante Scott from a team that went to the NCAA tournament and won a game last year. Won a game in the Big Ten tournament, brought in a top 15 recruiting class. Their problem all year long, pretty much from the jump, they can't shoot. Yeah. And that is just got to be killing him at this stage. And you wait through, let me do my math here. 15 and 14, it's 29, you're 29 games in and you're coming off and came in with your two for 22 to expect them to turn into the 2016 Golden State Warriors is probably unrealistic. But crazy things happen in the NCAA tournament and in conference tournaments, and that's what's going to have to happen for Maryland to even try to split their final two games. Indiana sucks. And, yeah, they got the big win against Wisconsin the other night. You think people are melting down against Willard here? What do you think they're doing with Mike Woodson in Bloomington? Big time. Mike Woodson, an alum, one of the best players in the history of the program, played for Bobby Knight. He was brought in to be the savior because Archie Miller sucked. Tom Crean sucked. Everybody sucked. And then here comes the savior and Mike Woodson, and boy, and they got more talent than Maryland does. And they're terrible. Now, they're 7-10 in the Big Ten. I guess to the point about the Terps, they play hard. They play good defensively. They are one of the best defensive teams in the Big Ten and in the country, but offensively, In this day and age of basketball, they're extremely challenged and they don't value the ball, hence the ton of turnovers. And you just heard when he says bad shots, that's meaning we're
4: not the smartest team.
5: At least they weren't
4: last night. The other thing that he's got to look at, Bob, with his assistant coaches is, you know, what did we see in these freshmen that we recruited? Well, they had turnover in the coaching staff last
5: year. He brought in new guys because people left Tony skin, for instance. They went to get well, head, jobs
4: head coaching elsewhere. jobs
5: elsewhere. So, I mean, you're in – like the Ravens are going to have to do. You're in a fluid situation in that regard. But ultimately, they have to develop these guys. And I'm sure in practice – because I do it in my backyard. in Glen Burney on my seven-and-a-half-foot rim, 12 feet away. I don't miss. But, you know, when somebody's hands in my face and people are cheering and, you know, the pressure's oh, yeah. on – you know, bricks start flying all over the place. Well, so it's a different, I'm sure in Xfinity, when they're practicing, they're all Pete Maravich.
4: Chris Naki said on the radio, he uh-huh. says, you should be able to drop kick two for 22. Yeah, it is. It's pretty bad.
5: But anyway, Terps lose. Orioles win. They're five and one. Orioles sign Colton Wong, Julio Tehran. Two, Tehran, two-time All-Star. Wong's a two-time Gold Glove winner. What does all of this mean? Right now, might not mean anything, but we'll find out here moving forward. Let's get out to the phones. It's Vidy and Haiti. It's total, total Request Thursday. And we got Nolan McGraw on the other side of the glass. Let's get Harry and Owings Mills. Harry, what's up,
8: Gentlemen, 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 good morning. Thank you for the segue on the Turks. Yes. Um, they have a re- officially reached what I call at all status. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. So if you ever hear guys say, she is not cute at all. Ooh. The Terps cannot shoot at all. And what I don't understand is because repetition exists for a reason. You do something over and over and over again. So you get better at it. Jamie Kaiser came out of high school with a reputation of being a good jump shooter. Dr. Scott during his sophomore campaign shot over 40% from three. He's gotten worse over the years. He's now fifth year and he's horrible. So, we, let's look, look at the root of what's going on. Okay, I hear Coach Willard said they're working hard in practice, but is there someone who's specific in terms of – because I coach basketball too. Is there someone who's specific in terms of, hey, get your feet organized, get your, pup, your, your, feet, your feet set, elbow in, rotation, wrist, everything, in terms of the process of how they do it? Because there has to be something wrong with the root if you do the same thing over and over again and you continue to get the same result.
5: Well, you watch him and obviously Harry, you do. I don't see anyone with an ugly form by any stretch of the imagination, like Tyrese Halliburton in the NBA. Now we're talking, you know, a guy that's one of the premier players, young players in the league. His jump shot is not picture perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I don't see anything that's out of whack in regards to fundamentals per se, sometimes shot selection, leaves a lot to be desired but it's just they just can't make them and it's it's flummoxing cuz even the coach is just like I I don't really know how to explain this. It's not like we don't work on it at all, you know what I mean?
8: And many times they're wide open and they miss them. So, and I know the Terps are a great defensive team, number 1 in the Big 10, number 5 in the country playing defense, but is is Willis focusing too much on defense and not enough on offense with a combination of the two?
5: Well, I would think, Harry, and I'll defer to him because, you know, it's his team. He knows them better than we'll ever know him. That, yeah, he recognizes the offensive shortcomings, so that's had to be a empathy or a focus here, a point of emphasis for them. They're just not good at it. I think, like you said, you are what you are. And they are what they are. It's to the point where you're pining for Hakeem Hart, who's averaging like six points a game for Villanova right now. That's how yeah, bad, does, with does. all the respect to him, Ricky Bobby style. It's not like Len Bias transferred to Villanova. It was Hakeem Hart, who was very inconsistent I himself shooting the ball. I
8: yeah, I just, I, it's, it's, we're fortunate that Derek Queen came to Maryland because he had to see what was going on all season long. Thank goodness he had a connection to Julian Reese, and he was from Baltimore. And so Jonathan Lamote,
5: too. <laughs> they were teammates at St. Francis. Harry, thanks for the call. Nolan, we have time for another phone call. You make the call, Nolan. Oh, we got to take a break. So if you're on the phones, hang tight, because Damon Evans is joining us next. Athletic Director, University of Maryland. We didn't get him last week because of connection problems. He shot a three, and it landed off the rim. He missed a three. We'll come back, talk to Damon about what's happening in College Park. End of the season run for both basketball teams. Maryland women trying to get into the NCAA as well. And that baseball's off to it. Lacrosse on both sides, they're off to it. So still plenty going on down in college
2: Sports Information Station, 1057 The Fan.
5: Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan, here on this Total Request Thursday. Pick a song, we'll play it at Quartet 583 1057, Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato. Terps lose last night, as you heard, during Joe LaCroix's update. Two for 22. Well, not exactly the most ideal shooting situation two games left in the regular season Maryland women trying to make a late charge to the ncaa's but got a lot of things going on you got four maryland players at the combine you got the spring sports starting you got lacrosse underway here to address all of that and more in the time we have with him he's the athletic director of university of maryland he's on the wgk law guest hotline let's welcome in damon evans damon good morning what is up
3: What's going on, fellas?
5: We're doing all right. Uh, You know, we'll get into the basketball thing here in a second. But we had Walt Williams on yesterday. The Wizard, Maryland legend, is number 42 hanging up there at the Xfinity Center. And we talked with him every week about clutch vodka. You know, because we could all use the uh, bolt every now and again, if you know what I'm saying, Damon. But he talked about how he and Clutch and the University of Maryland kind of together in that one Maryland collective to generate some NIL. I mean, is that something you're still looking to get in to get on board here others like BM hey not just Walt because he's an alum and he's trying to generate cash for his alma mater but others to get in there and help contribute too which has been a zany Nil uh, situation the last couple of years.
3: Well, yeah, we're always looking to try to get more people involved in NIL, and I'm glad that the One Maryland Collective and and Clutch Vodka have been able to work out a deal that's going to be beneficial uh, to student-athletes. It's interesting to me, fellas, uh, we've been talking about NIL a lot on this show, and You know, the response from the fans uh, overall, I think, has been really, really good. I know people question our NIL efforts and why are we doing it. Some people say that we're late to the game and all of these different types of things. We've been working hard on NIL and will continue to. And and the main motive, you know, if there's conspiracy theorists out there, the motive behind working on NIL is trying to do what's in the best interest of our student-athletes and trying to make sure that we're able to attract top-notch caliber student-athletes so we can uh, really put a good uh, program out there for our fans to enjoy and be prideful of. So we're going to continue to work hard in that effort. I'm going to continue to drive it because it's the right thing to do, and it's part of our landscape nowadays.
5: All right, let's get to the game itself. And you guys could have used Walt Williams out there on the floor because the Wiz had ranged for days. But two for 22, this has been a season-long dilemma for Kevin Willard. As we all know, those of us who actually watch the games, this has been a brutal thing for them to endure. Now, Damon, we're in the final stages of the regular season. you know, things change how can they change and if you're Kevin Willard how frustrated are you thinking you have the players to do it but 29 games have said yeah not really it's not just happening here
3: well when you shoot a percentage like we shot last night as you mentioned from the three-point line um you're not going to win too many uh, basketball games and that's been our Achilles' heel all year long. We have not been a good team offensively. Uh, I think a lot of us had hoped that we would get better over time. Our defense has just been incredible. I think we're ranked number five defensively in the Ken Palm rankings, which is significant. You you would think you know get a little bit more offense this year would look a lot different. Uh, I know a lot of people are frustrated. It's hard. I I don't like to lose. Kevin doesn't uh, like to lose, but I will say this. Uh, when you're playing with that level of defensive intensity, that shows you that this team is not giving up and that they continue to fight. And uh, we'll continue to try to finish this year out on, on, a, on a good note. Uh, I'm excited uh, about good news that we received last week. I think – when things aren't always going the way that you want them to, it's good to get some really, really good news. And we were able to get some good news uh, last week about a young man that a lot of people were curious about and what's going on and why can't we do this. And uh, yet again, uh, Kevin and his staff showed uh, that they have some, some things in store for us. So uh, while things aren't going well as we would like on the court, I still have a lot of confidence uh, in our coaching staff and Kevin Willard and uh, that we'll continue to fight and finish this year out the right way.
5: Yeah, you added some royalty, shall we say, to the equation. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would, would have liked to add that royalty, and, and those are the types of things that that you need to do when you're trying to build a a, a program is to be able to go out and a, and make uh, acquire uh, uh, individuals, assets, the things that you need to help you build a program. And last week was one in which it, it, it's really going to help us.
4: Hey, Damon, you know, you've talked before about you You talk like you met every Monday with Loxley. You meet with Willard when you can. You know, as a former GM, a lot of times when, you know, things aren't going well, you got to have tough conversations with your coaches. Now, is Maybe. it more like your conversation with Willard now? It's about you see the same things he's seeing?
3: Well, the, the Willard and I meet uh, biweekly, and I and I just met with Willard uh, this week. And, and the great thing about Kevin is Kevin will will be very, very direct and, and honest about where uh, he could have done things better. He could have done things differently. Uh, we both talk about it, and that's the way that you get problems solved and you move forward. Is that? Sometimes you have to take a look at, okay, how would we have done this different? Where do we stand right now? we got to look at ourselves in the mirror. And we got to be critical and critique ourselves. And Kevin will take a hard look at himself, and that's, that's what I appreciate about him because we're never always going to get things perfect. we got to understand, okay, what will we do different next time? How do we get it better? And how do we work together as a team and partner in this? And I've got to do my job to make sure that I'm helping uh, Willard do his job, and we got to work together together uh, to move this thing forward and i'm i have utmost confidence that uh, we'll we'll get to where we ultimately want to be here and that's competing for championships and making this maryland fan base very very proud
4: now damon what about the other sport uh, you know like anything happened with football but the spring sports like bob mentioned have started anything that you want to talk about uh, from the winter sports that are just finishing up or the spring sports well,
3: well, I do want to give a shout-out to our guys who are gearing up for the Combine and football. You know, we got four Terps who are in Indianapolis, and tomorrow the DBs are going to go. Bo Braid and Tarheep still will show off their skills, and that's going to be very, very exciting for, for them. And then the old linemen go uh, on Sunday with Gottlieb and, and, and DJ Glaze going. So when you have guys in the Combine, that shows the development of your program. And over the past few years, uh, Locks and his staff have really turned out A lot of players. I think Maryland's had a player chosen in sixth straight in 27 of the past 29 drafts, which is really, really good. So excited for those gentlemen. And then we've got our red and white spring game is scheduled for April uh, 27th at noon in CQ Stadium. So I'm just excited about the progress there. But when you talk about all things Terps, we really got some things going. Women's basketball, is they're hitting their stride. they won four of their last five games. They have their, their finale tonight at home against Wisconsin, uh, which is going to be significant. We've played well the last two weeks. So looking forward to heading into Big Ten play in the NCAA tournament. And then you, what, do you, what can you say about lacrosse? I mean, the lacrosse men's lacrosse team is ranked number three in the nation. They're unbeaten. Uh, after a 13-7 win over Princeton, but we've got a huge one coming up against defending national champion uh, Notre Dame uh, this Sunday at noon. Women's lacrosse is ranked ninth. Unfortunately, took a hard loss against Florida. Baseball and swope six and three. Uh, I'm excited about Big Ten wrestling being hosted here March 9th through through the 10th. And um, when you take a look at softball and all the other things, gymnastics. Just excited about what our young people are doing in those programs
5: damon evans athletic director university of maryland Vinny and haney 1057 the pen damon last thing for you court storming was a big uh, story over the weekend kyle filipowski he got ran over well he played 38 minutes last night for duke so i guess he's a quick healer but where do you stand damon on court storming should it be banned regulated i mean what can you do when you have a bunch of uh, students ready to rock and roll there at the end of a game
3: the amazing, college sports is so special, and, and there are things that happen in college sports that are very different than what may happen in professional sports. And court storming is something that's been a part of college sports, and uh, you know you see it on ESPN and the fans, the excitement. But I do think that we have to be mindful that our first job is to protect the student athletes and the coaches and to get them off the f- field or the court as as fast as possible. Uh, We at the University of Maryland have a uh, post-game celebration protocol that we go over at the beginning of the year and then when there are teams that are coming in that we think that uh, court storming could be a possibility, uh, we go over that before the games to make sure that everyone from Terp host to CSC to police to our game day personnel understand their roles. As far as trying to get something regulated from a national perspective, I know the SEC, they find people. Uh, conferences do things differently. Um, I think we've just got to continue to put our heads together and make sure that we can maybe maintain this, but do it in a way that uh, is as safe as possible. But there needs to be some other solutions to help us address this issue.
5: By the way, we stress accuracy here on uh, the program. 29 minutes is Philipowski, but you get the point. Damon, it is Total Request Thursday. Pick a song, let's jam.
3: I think, is this a leap year or something like that? It's it is. twenty February 29th today. Oh, so let, let's go with Jump by Van Halen.
5: Oh, that's a killer song. You and I are reading minds, Damon Evans. Damon, enjoy the rest of your total requests Thursday. Have fun tonight with the Maryland women. We'll talk to you next week.
4: Thanks, Damon.
3: Thanks, fellas.
5: There's Damon Evans, everybody. It's Vidi at Haiti, 105.7. The fan will come back reset for you. We're going to talk some Orioles with Matt Wyrick from the Baltimore Sun. He's down in Sarasota with the Orioles taking on the Pirates today. Paul Skeens against Jackson Holiday right out of the gate.
8: I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball.
6: Oh, um, man, I think integrity is important to me. Passion for the game is important to me. Work ethic, dependability, growth mindset, grit. All those things factor in. To me, the secret sauce is really knowing the person.
5: Tara Costa, Ravens GM, a couple of days ago out in Indy, met with the media, talking about what he looks for when they scout a potential draft pick. And you heard a bunch of things. I mean, you know, talent kind of speaks for itself. Yep. But there are other intangibles, Vinny, that are involved.
4: Yeah, and, and, you know, you may say, okay, when Eric's sitting there watching these drills, and today it's the D-line and linebackers, what is he he looking for? Because they're in shorts, you know, because, you know, you got to study the tape. All right, the interviews, like Eric said, extremely, extremely important. And the physical. Those are the two most important things about the combine. But what can you learn on the drills and stuff? You know, just by watching them move around. Because when you watch him on film, you kind of get an idea of he plays fast, but is he fast kind of thing and stiffness. Because like the shuttle drill, you know, which is a 20-yard shuttle back and forth. um, You know, if he has an extremely, you know, for a linebacker, you want a guy that has a real good shuttle time because it's a change of direction thing. And the, the same thing with, like, a smaller corner, all right? You talk about nickel corners, the change of direction type things. Vertical jump. Vertical jump has a lot to do with speed, I I I believe. And, you know, because here's, here's what a lot of those drills do. Let's say that an inside linebacker, his vertical jump's 29, all right, which is bad, all right? Then you're going to go, all right, then uh, – Red flag. Then I got to go investigate, you know, what, what's the issue there. And, you know, say he runs real fast. Okay. And then like on the short shuttle, if it's not good, okay. Do I see stiffness in his play? Because all those things, the, the reason they do those drills is to find out if he can And if he can't, you know, like at the combine, the one Tim Brown, they said, well, Tim Brown, he 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 doesn't run that fast. And Timmy said, you know, and he wasn't going to work out. The, he said, all right, guys. He went to the combine, ran a forty, ran like four two or whatever, and then left. Just kept right on going, just kept going. And Dion did the same thing. So is the forty yard dash big? I I think it, it it's it's big, especially for you know why? Well, Kyle Hamilton. Good example. Well, good or bad, because what you do is, all right, he ran four, five, seven at the combine. All right, slower than we thought. All right. But then you go back to the film. Does he play fast? Do you see him with catch up speed and those kind of things? Because that's where that you always got to go back to the film. All right, he ran slow. You know who else ran a four, seven, Bob? Merton Hanks, like four, seven something. And he was a Pro Bowl free safety, but he had great instincts and great range. So that's why, you know, fund you know, does he does he play fast? Does he play slow? You might have a guy that runs four, 2 but when you put on the tape, he does Duvernay. He doesn't run by people. Sure. You know, those kind of things. So um that's what you look and you know, like uh bench press. You know, oh that guy does 40. You know, or like you said, Orlando Brown did hardly any. But then you got to look at, okay, if it's an offensive lineman, how long are his arms? If his arms are 37 inches, the guys that win, do the most benches, their arms are like 31. They're the little guys, bam, 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 bam. They don't have far to move it. We're like a, a offensive lineman, Philele, and, you know, he did it like 25 times, but he had 37-inch arms, which is great. Now, where you get is like you get an old lineman that maybe does 10, and you're saying you're saying to yourself, hmm, does he not like to lift? You know, then throws up another red flag. What do I gotta go investigate there? I gotta go find out why. And and that's what a lot of these tests do is is they throw up red flags that make you go look at why? Why, why is it so bad, or why was it so good? Or, you know, like Pete Carroll always used to say, like, with DBs and stuff. Now, I don't want, you know, a corner that runs 4-7 because he's playing against guys that run 4-5. You got to have measurables that fit the position, too. You know, and a 4-7 corner, going to be hard to do it when you're playing receivers that are running 4-3.
5: Just give you a slow time real quick at the uh, combine, Terrell Suggs,
4: 4-8-4. I was at his workout, Bob. I was there. And, and... It was out, out in Arizona and I, I was standing there and he ran like four eight two. But when you put on the film, plays fast. Yeah. And that's and, and that's that's why the the teams that rely heavily on the tape, because it always goes back to the tape. Whereas teams like four eight two, he can't rush a passer. No, but he doesn't play four eight two. He plays like four six. What's his get off time? Because the most important thing, Bob, with an O lineman with an O lineman and a pass rusher, it's the ten. The ten is the most important thing. Sure. I mean, if, if a pass rusher's gotta run forty yards
5: the guy's running for a touchdown. Right. It's Vinny and Haiti, 105.7. The fan, when we come back, switch to the Orioles. Matt Wyrick Baltimore Sun. Orioles taking on the Pirates today. The last two number one overall picks. Going to face off in the first inning. Whip around coming up at eleven fifteen, 15 And we'll get back to the combine. D-line linebackers. Raven could use
4: outside linebacker. Yeah, pass rusher, yep.
5: And depending on what happens with Matabike, we think he's staying. Maybe a new defensive lineman interior, someone that can disrupt. So stay tuned for all of that. And more it's total request Thursday, pick us a song, play.